Hello and welcome to another edition of Wise Council Weekly powered by Athenian Consulting Group. I'm your host, Tanyan Farley, and here's my co-host, Alex Francis. Alex, good morning, my friend. How are you? Morning, Tanyan. What's going on, my guy? Oh, it's a great Thursday here in Houston, Texas. Sunny, uh, not too hot yet. And, you know, it's a great time to start to get back and doing things in the city and around the city. And I think that's kind of in line with our, our theme for the podcast today. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. People are going back to work, going back to school. Daycare is opening back up. It's, uh, it's a good time right now. Uh, people are getting to get their regular paychecks again, um, stop getting off unemployment and stuff like that and uh, start you know, trying to see some regular life going back on. Yeah, I think it's been, you know, since we had our last podcast, and I know, like I said, our last podcast was pretty heavy and pretty different from our normal business and life advisory. But, you know, we've gotten great feedback from it. I appreciate everyone that's reached out to us about it. And I also think it's been great to see just the compassion and the understanding that's really developed in the United States over the last week and really worldwide. Uh, I think for a topic that historically has not received a ton of serious attention, right? Some short-lived mm-hmm. attention, I think, in, in spurts. But I think we're seeing a change here that uh, I'm hoping will reverberate for a while, right? I think we're seeing some systematic changes being made, which mm-hmm. hasn't been done before. And so I think that's really good. Yeah, the changes I'm seeing are great. Um, this is exactly what we need in the country. Uh, I love seeing everybody coming together right now in this time of need. And I hope this keeps going. I hope the momentum stays up. I hope everybody continues to think and keep the same mindset. And it's not just a new hashtag like like usual and how we've been seeing. But I feel like this is definitely some big change going on now. So let's just jump into the agenda for today. Uh, so for our main topic today, we're going to be discussing reopening the workplace, office, schools, you know, just reopening, getting back to regular life and how uh, leaders and the workforce can help with corporations and their employees get back to a normal life. We'll jump into some quick hits from our managing partner, Bobby Dixon. And then for our big three today will be three skills and attributes that you can build for yourself that employers want from you. We're trying to get you guys hired out there. I know a lot of, it's been a lot of unemployment going on out there. And right now we're trying to get you guys back in the workforce. So we're going to give you some couple tips or our top three tips of what you should be working on to get you back into the workplace. Now let's head into game time. Yeah, I think that's a great one. I'm excited for the big three later as well, Alex. I think practical tips for people to, you know, not only get hired, but help themselves in their current situation is great. I think Mm -hmm. that we're in a time where you have the chance to elevate and really change who you are. And I think that really leads into our topic today, like you said, of, you know, returning to the workplace, returning to schools, returning to, you know, some semblance of this new normal. And the thing that I want to start off with really is, you know, at the beginning of this pandemic, right? So, if you think about late March, early April, um, there was a study conducted that said that 42% um, of the, I'm sorry, 14% of the workforce was essentially said they couldn't work remote. Like their employers said, there's no way we can operate remote. At the end of it, 42% of these companies said that they could work remote. So I think the takeaway really is returning to a sense of normal returning to the workforce returning up to schools to offices i think it's forever changed right and i mean that in the sense that i think there will always be an element of work from home uh with within your business within your clients you know whatever it may be and so i think maintaining a partially remote workforce you know going forward like facilitates stress testing um you know the physical workflow changes in your office so if you think about 
what we're doing as an employer. So as an employer, I'm looking at three things really, right? When people are coming back to the office, I'm thinking about the safety factors, right? So making sure we have disinfectants, you know, et cetera. Right. I'm thinking about operational changes we need to make. And then I'm thinking about the health of my people. And I mean that both physically and mentally, right? So we'll talk Absolutely. about that a little more today, but I think that going into you know, returning back to the office, we need to make sure we're first addressing, like I mentioned, uh, you know, the health and safety. So I know we both read and have seen a lot about this, and I'm sure you guys listen have as well, but, you know, there are new maintenance standards from the CDC, from a number of parties that say, well, you know, before you were disinfecting surfaces in your office X amount of times per week, now it's going to go up, right? So right. when I think about that, I think about you know businesses that are going to grow from that as well, right? If you're a disinfectant business, a janitorial business, I think you're going to have to add additional things to your offering. So I think returning Absolutely. to the office not only should be thought about from me as the employer side, but as a vendor for employers, I think I should also think about what my return to the office looks like. How do you think, uh, you know, for you, Alex, what are you thinking about when it comes to this topic? I mean, honestly... Just making sure your your employees are, are the safest. I think that's the main thing that comes to, to mind when I'm thinking about this topic. Because there are a lot of things you can take under consideration that could, you know, alleviate lists and some some things that are at the lowest risk. And then there's other things that are more risk or something that the higher risk. You know, when you don't take any of these changes and you don't take any of these precautions, then you put a lot of your employees at risk um, of getting infections. But there's a few things, of course, that you can just keep in mind to make sure that everyone's comfortable and everybody is safe while returning to this office. I mean, one option would be um, just allowing and giving some of your employees the option of not working, of not returning if they don't feel safe, if they don't feel comfortable, whether it's, you know, age, chronic disease, transportation, or, you know, even childcare for the children. Um, just bear in mind that everybody has a different situation right now. And um, if, if, if that employee doesn't feel comfortable, like you mentioned before, that mental capacity of their, of their health might take, a, might take a hit as well. Um, also, Another thing that you look at is just some people with sick leave. So if your employees that have sick leave, um, they're less likely to come into the office as ill. But the but the ones that do have that don't have sick leave, those are the ones that might come into the office still un, still infected or still feeling symptoms. And you need to take precautions under that as well. And of course, while sick leave policies are expensive, uh, the cost of inadvertently allowing infected employees to infect the entire workplace may be way higher. Um, if that does happen, you have to act fast. You have to make sure that employee goes home and quarantines for two weeks. You have to uh, have to make sure that that area is quarantined off as well. Anyone that they were in meetings with needs to go home for a couple weeks as well also, and anyone that possibly passed them in the hallway, stood by them on an elevator, also needs to make sure that they're checking their temperature and checking their symptoms for at least the next three days to make sure that before they come back into the office um, that they don't infect anybody as well. But just the precautions like that to ensure that your workforce is being okay and that everyone's feeling comfortable are a lot of the main steps that I'm thinking of when, when I'm thinking about returning to the workplace, Tanya. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the last piece you touched on is really important, which is, you know, the contact tracing. I know that's kind of a taboo word in the U.S. right now because it's mm -hmm. everyone thinks about, you know, the application that's being put on our cell phones and the tracking. So I'm going to step back from that a little bit more and just think about it more as in the workplace as an employer, I need to have an understanding of the risk factors of my individual employees, right? So I know there are some complications when it comes to, uh, you know, essentially HIPAA regulations and non-discriminatory acts and, and all that. And, and that's great. 
But I think there are some simple ways that we can easily track that as an employer, that we can solicit that kind of information without discrimination, without mm-hmm. you know pushing the boundaries. So the first one I thought of, right? So you mentioned a scenario, and I'm going to run back through it just so everyone makes sure they're on top of it. But the scenario that you mentioned was if I'm an employee and I come in contact with another employee that may have been sick, um, or I come in contact with someone outside the office, a family member, a friend that may have been sick at your gym, whatever it may be. I think it's really important for us to, as employers, to understand how we can track that. So, you know, I was doing some brainstorming about this, you know, candidly, right, for the folks listening, we're doing this for clients as well. We thought we'd share some really, you know, key information with y'all, which is, you know, we're working on a survey system, essentially, that says, you can get it out to your employees every morning, right? Every night, whatever cadence you choose. And it's easy, right? It's it's a few questions that say, how are you feeling today? Did you take your temperature today? Have you been in contact with anyone that's contracted COVID? You know, simple questions like that. Make it three yep. to five questions. Make it simple and make it, you know, it's going to have to be continuous for a while. I think understanding and building that data set is really important. And as an employer, it protects you against discrimination lawsuits. It protects you against not knowing the status of your employees. And frankly, I think it gives employees a venue to be truthful in their in their discussions. Alex talked about, you know, parents that may not have you know a place to send their kids right now, or older folks, or people with pre-existing conditions. That's a hard conversation to have with your employer if you don't have paid sick leave, and you're like, listen, I have a pre-existing condition, I'm 67, I have three kids, you know, it puts the employer in a tough position where, you know, you want them in the office, but it may not make sense from a safety perspective. So we think implementing new processes such as this survey, such as those kind of tracking and, and data inputs, I think is really key. I think the next thing when you think about process changes to accommodate some of the situations Alex mentioned is you know, a lot of offices have shared cafeterias. And I think that's a big one. When I think about, you know, where people eat together, where people congregate together, right? It could be a break room. And if you're in you know, a big company, it could be a fully catered cafeteria. And so I think about the changes you have to make there, going from salad bars and finger foods to pre-wrapped foods to staggered lunch times, right? I know that's going to sound like you're back in elementary school where you have first block lunch or second block lunch, but I think it's important that we think about that as employers and as, you know, people running businesses. I also think from a process perspective, you know, in many offices previously, eating at your desk was frowned upon because of the possible, uh, you know, spill essentially that comes with that, the associated maintenance fee, you know, all of that. But I think now we're at a heightened sense of maintenance where there's going to be more continued maintenance. There's going to be better precautions. There's going to be better policies in place. And so I think moving your lunch to your desk, moving your lunch to a spot where you're not surrounded by a lot of people, I think is really key. I know those are a couple, you know, small procedural changes, but if you think about if you compound the small procedural changes together and get that data collection, I think you can make a lot of progress. What do you think, Alex? Absolutely, man. Um, just implementing a couple of small things like, you know, cloth face coverings must be mandatory. Um, putting up signs and messages that are highly visible in highly visible locations, um, restrooms, hallways, um, just to ensure that people are 
being careful, washing their hands, you know, doing the small things just to uh, help out modified layouts, you know, ensuring six feet apart, desks and cubicles that, you know, of course, we're all stacked on top of each other in office space sometimes, but doing a little bit of adjusting could help with that. Um, just like you mentioned as well, the communal spaces and like shared objects like printers and you know, staplers, things of that nature, cubbies, little labeled areas that we all go to for our supplies, make sure that's all insured and, and, and put together as well. And then also I feel like we need to check on visitors or uh, gatherings that we have in, in, in our office space, um, less meetings possibly. I mean, I'm, and also I'm thinking about schools and field trips and how that's uh, going as well and transportation and school buses. So a lot of those things that need to be assessed um, that we here at Athenian are working on doing in our project management offering to allow to, uh, to solicit the, these, I'm sorry, to solicit these opportunities out to, to the workforce. Um, and make sure that everyone's going according to the CDC's plan as well as the state's uh, implementation as well to ensure that everything is going according to plan. And the one other thing that you mentioned, Tan, is inputting new processes. And I believe one that should, will definitely also help with discrimination lawsuits is uh, putting in some anti-discrimination trainings as well. And they should be one of the key strategies for, the, for your diversity planning. Um, because with this pandemic, it can excite xenophobia and bias and leaders should really be alert to potential groups or individuals being stigmatized uh, or spoken out against and hate crimes, you know, for example, are being committed against Asians as this uh, Chinese virus has came over to the USA. So some of that Sensitivity training uh, should also be implemented to make sure that the, everybody in the workplace feels safe and at home. Yeah, agreed. And I think too, especially with you know the other really big movement in the United States right now with you know really equality and social justice. I think that you know it's important to make sure you're having that kind of diversity and and sensitivity training with your people for you know blowback from COVID, but also for everything that's going on in our country when it comes to social justice. So, you know, we really at the beginning talked about three topics. Um, when you think about returning to work, it was safety process. And the last one is health, right? Uh, physical right. and mental. So I want to touch on that a little bit. Uh, I'm really going to stick to more of the, the mental health side, because I do think that during the pandemic and during the quarantine, anxiety levels in the United States were at all time highs. People we're concerned about really the unknown. If you think about what drives anxiety, a lot of it is is unfounded and, and, and unknown fears. And so for a lot of people is how long am I going to be in this? What is going to happen to my job? What is going to happen to my family? What happens if I get sick? So I think you're now dealing with as an employer, not only you know making sure you're meeting safety precautions in the workplace, changing your processes to better accommodate you know, people's work setup, but I think also you have to be more sensitive to people's mental health. And I know that mental health has been this kind of growing sensation as far as gaining traction in the U.S. the last few years. But I think this right. is a great time to focus on it as well. I think that you know one of the studies that I found really interesting was that at the beginning of quarantine, so when a lot of people were having high anxiety levels about the mm -hmm. unknown that was coming, Penn State did a study and they asked a whole bunch of people essentially, what are you anxious about? write it all down, track it throughout quarantine at the end of, you know, really the, the strict quarantine, I'll say, so probably a couple of weeks ago, let's talk about how many of these items actually came to pass during quarantine. So this was eye-opening for me that only 9% of the things that people wrote down actually came to pass from their anxiety. So we're saying that 91% wow. 
didn't come to pass. So as an employer, I think you'd be remiss if you didn't take those kinds of things into consideration. So as an employer, what kind of actions can I take to better my team's mental health? I think the first thing is facilitating the ability to have those conversations, right? So mm-hmm. whether it's promoting telebehavioral health, you know, applications, video therapy sessions, most of the employee-sponsored healthcare plans in the United States have the ability to teleconnect with doctors, to teleconnect with therapists, but most of us don't use it, right? Because we don't want to FaceTime right. with a doctor. We don't want to FaceTime with a therapist, but right. I think that becomes really, really key here. The other thing I think that and you mentioned this earlier, Alex, when you talked about that, you know, paid sick leave is an, ex- is an expense for a business. And I would be lying right. to you if, if, if that wasn't the case. But I think it's really important that we focus going forward on mental wellness days. I know that, you know, we joke about, you know, during quarantine, the earth was healing, right? I think we all saw that on social media and a number of other places. But you saw carbon levels go down. You saw areas of the ocean, areas of rivers become clear that hadn't been before. I think that's something we should look at from ourselves, right? Which is right. If, the, if the earth needed a break to heal, we need to take mental wellness days. So, you know, if it's a half day where you spend the morning on a walk or, you know, whatever it is, or if it's a day where you just unplug, I think employers, we as employers need to be more respectful of that and understand that mental health is really important. If you're coming into the office at 50% capacity, mm-hmm. that means you can't deliver 100% of what you need to do on a day-to-day basis. So I think Absolutely. You know, making sure that, that we're focusing on that. And then you know, the last piece, and then I'll pass it back to you, Alex, is really you know, we need to schedule things into our day-to-day that make people happy and make people feel fulfilled. So as an employer, mm-hmm. right, you know your office culture. Is that a happy hour? Is that a special lunch? Is that a a guest speaker coming in to talk about stuff? Is that just a public forum to talk? Is it a a group walk at the office, right? So get the pulse of your people, find some things that will make people happy and make people motivated and, you know, focus on people's mental health because at the end of the day, your most expensive asset as an employer is your people. So you need to invest in them as well. Absolutely. I mean, employers can uh, establish social networks to address isolation, train their supervisors on employee mental health needs, uh, promote workforce, and uh, and make appropriate referrals. Uh, honestly, just with a couple of therapists in my family alone, uh, I know how hard it is for people in the African-American community to find or access mental health services for, from African-Americans. Um, a lot of the websites aren't the, the nicest. A lot of the referrals aren't the best. Um, and so doing a little bit of due diligence for your employees and helping them uh, reach uh, new heights um, could take you miles away from where you are today and take your employees all the way up to a new level. Um, and also just um, helping and caring and encouraging, you know, exercise, time away from work um, also helps support your uh, employees' emotional health overall. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that, you know, we talked about a lot this morning in this return to work, return to school. But I think it's important for employers, for leaders, for principals, for you know, district admins, whatever it may be, to think about the different areas because it's not just are we sanitizing, are we keeping our water fountains closed, right? There's a lot more that goes into this. And right. I think it's really important that leaders focus on this, but also that they seek help, right? At the end of the day, People in your organization are good at what they're good at, and you want them to continue to excel at that. So if you need expert advice, if you need additional help to get this planned out, like 
we cannot recommend that enough. I know that we have sought you know, outside advice on some of this stuff to make sure we're coming back to work safely with our clients, right? And we'll talk a little bit more about that with Bobby today, but I think it's really key that we focus on that. So I really appreciate, you know, this first conversation and I think we're going to head into uh, quick hits with Bobby. All right. Now we're on with Mr. Bobby Dixon. How are you today, Bobby? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys today? Not bad, not bad. Just discussing the returning to the workplace and schools. So with our firm offering our project management services to assist school districts and municipalities, uh, what are you as a parent uh, looking for as your kids return to school as you look at safety and health? Ah, good question. You know, so on this topic, as you mentioned, you so we're, we're both producers and consumers. I mean, we're producing some thought leadership and and service lines to help people uh, be better equipped for that. But as a consumer, with, with two people who'll be returning to school in, in a month and a half or so, I have a, I, you know, have a perspective as well. So uh, I, I think there's the things I'd be looking for center around health, right? There's physical health, uh, there's mental health, there's, there's emotional health, right? And, 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 and so I'm looking for the schools to be proactive in how they communicate their plan. Right, uh, to have high regard for those three things. Right, uh, if you think about these are children, uh, K through 12, who have been told for some 90 days, right, you know, that the thought of going out of the house is a bad concept. The thought of playing with your friends is a bad concept. The thought of doing anything, you know, outside of staying quarantined is a bad concept. So, in a children's or child's mind, you know, to suddenly pivot, <laughs> right, from there. Uh, to now we're going to be in classrooms like we were, uh, you know, last spring. Uh, you're doing activities K through 12. That includes, you know, recess for, uh, you, know, you know, for, for K through five, five and, and lunch and, and those sorts of things, right? So there's a, there is a, a mental toll all this takes on the adult, much less the child, right? I'm not a child psychologist, right? So I, I want to understand how they've taken the child's mental and emotional well-being into account, right? In terms of how they transition back and then physically, right? You know, um, if, if social distancing is a priority today, mid-June, uh, I'd be hard-pressed to believe that is zero, you know, priority uh, in, in August, right? right? You know, so so what are the, when you, when you think about state mandated class size of 22, 25, you know, uh, and, and real estate being a finite commodity in these classroom sizes. So, you know, how do you manage that? How do you manage the transition periods in the hallways and all those sorts of things? And this is all around the proactive planning, right? The next piece I would want to know about is the contingency planning, because I don't believe it's a matter of if, I believe it's a matter of when, you know, based on what CDC and, and some of the experts are telling us that this thing bubbles up again. Uh, when that happens, right? You know, what what is the contingency plan? Have we thought through those things? Um, so, Alex, I mean, th those are the concerns as a parent, right? You know, ultimately, I believe the children need to be in school. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a certain debilitating element, you know, to all this, you know, from a child standpoint, yeah, from a social standpoint, from how we educate them and, and how they learn, you know. So I believe that the, the school is the right place for them. Uh, but yeah, certainly, <laughs> certainly high anxiety, you, you know, uh, around a plan A and a plan B, you know, and, and I think uh, we're looking for as consumers, taxpayers, what have you, 
are to see those plans articulated to us in a way that we can, you know, uh, digest them and ask questions and those sorts of things. Yeah, no, I think that aligns honestly with one of the topics we talked about earlier, which was just the general anxiety of the public during this time, right? We, we cited a, a study that was done that essentially said at the beginning of quarantine, um, Penn State asked a number of people to write down things that they were anxious about during quarantine. And from the start of quarantine to the end of quarantine, only 9% of those things came to be, right? So when you think about what you just talked about with kids, right? They wanna be around other people, they wanna get back to school, they wanna have that sense of camaraderie. How do you as a parent, obviously, you know, there's the, the aspect of sending kids back to school, but how do you as a parent kind of deal with the fact that, you know, your kids are not gonna be around as many people in their sports maybe, or in their, you know, friend group? How do you kind of shape that with them. I think you talked a little about communication from the school. Do you see that as the same thing for you as a parent to your kids, like communicating that early and often? Yeah, and as is the case with anything, right, you know, uh, parenting is about proactive and, and, and honest communication, you know, and, and, and setting expectations, right? You know, so you mentioned, you know, the sports teams, the football, and, you know, what is that going to look like? You know, perhaps, um may not even, you know, uh, be a football season, right? And if so, how, how, how do we handle that? Um, you know, and so I have a, a 16-year-old son, 13-year-old daughter, so opposite ends of the spectrum, right? You know, and, and um, you know, my, my daughter's heavily invested in the social elements of, of school, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And uh, when we go back, I mean, you know, we're probably not going to do the, the drop-off and, and, and let you hang out. 30, 40 minutes you know, out front of the school, certainly not in August, <laughs> right? You know, uh, in the pods and all that sort of stuff. So they're, they're just practical things, right? That you got to think about and have these conversations, as you mentioned, up front with your child. My son is, you know, he's going into his junior year. He's on a debate team uh, that has, for the last two years, traveled uh, with a great deal of um, latitude, right? You know, uh, and without regard for any of this stuff we're talking about now. So, he was telling me the other day that, you know, debates just, he's he not excited about it this year, you know? And, and so I said, well, why? Uh, because that trap, because the school has notified them at least for the fall semester that there'll be no travel. Right. Uh, and so he's, he's grappling with that. Right. And, 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 and trying to talk to him about, you know, the fiscal uh, and, 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 and sort of, you know, personal responsibility that the school has, why they made that decision. Right, you know, and so how you're going to have to adjust. And so without going into any more detail, right, for, for both of my kids, we're having to have conversations at their level based on, you know, what's important to them that may look different when they go back, right, uh, and helping them understand why it, it has to be the case, right, and then how we're going to have to work around, you know, as, as parents and as students, you know, and, and I think from a community standpoint, we've all got to have the ability uh, to put our personal agendas and priorities, you know, um, aside a little bit to kind of understand, you know, what's the best uh, for the good of whole, any schools anyway, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, that yeah. makes sense. And I think it aligns too with exactly how, you know, you and, and many other leaders need to act with their employees as well, right? I think employees and, you know, being a parent in this setting is very similar, right? Looking out for their well-being, communicating early and often. I think a lot of the principles you just mentioned as far as what you're looking for in return to school are things that leaders are looking for in return to work and are things that 
you know, quite candidly, we're working on from a firm is how to best deliver that for our clients. So, Bobby, we really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, we appreciate the insight. I know there's a lot going on in the world, and we got a lot of things moving and shaking, and if any, and we're excited to tell you about. But uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. All right, now we're entering the cool down. So, Tan, this week, what are you reading, listening to, um, just to help out with your growth, productivity, anything like that? So I have been reading uh, a number of Harvard Business Review articles this week, um, mm-hmm. really just to focus on different perspectives of everything that's happening in the world. So I think about from a business perspective, there's been a lot of articles around diversity and inclusion, a lot of articles around what the coronavirus, post-coronavirus world is going to look like. But also there's been a lot of articles around mental health. There's been a lot of articles around really understanding your employers and how to be better for them. So I really like that one. I've been reading quite a bit on that. I would recommend. And then as far as watching, so you recommended several documentaries last week um, on social justice and, and what's going on in the world right now. So I watched several of them in the last week. I watched When They See Us. Awesome. I watched 13 and I watched LA 92. Um, I think they're all really important for people to understand. Uh, I specifically really like 13 because there is mm-hmm. perspective from all sides, right? There yep. is yep. Democrat, Republican, Independent, Black, White, everything you can imagine. Um, they're really trying to bake in there so you can understand what's going on. What about you, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. Thir- uh, 13th opened my eyes a lot to the um, just the business side. There's a business side to everything. Um, and 13th really kind of opened my eyes to that when I watched that documentary. Um, for me this week, I've been reading up on a little bit of uh, criminal justice reform programs, um, just making sure I'm kind of doing my part to help out with the current events and situations going on. Um, other than that, just for my personal growth, um, I got a HelloFresh uh, coupon in the mail. So I think I need to uh, get my cooking skills up a little bit. They send you the food and the seasonings and your meals uh, all in a package to your front door. So I think I need to work on my cooking skills a little bit for when the baby comes. I'll be able to help out. That's a great setup. That's a great setup and always a good thing to do. I know I cooked a ton during this quarantine uh, and I know okay. my wife actually cooked a lot too. So that's been really great. Our big three today is for not only people that are, you know, currently unfortunately unemployed, but for, you know, prospective people that are looking for new clients that are looking for, you know, to better themselves in the workplace. So our big three today is skills and attributes that you should build and focus on for, you know, your employers or your clients to not only hire you, but hold you in a really, you know, good light. So Alex, Mm -hmm. Uh, why don't you go first and we'll kind of bounce back and forth. I got you. I got you. So my first one is basically just having the skill of coordinating and working with others. Um, a lot of work, a lot of work at corporations right now are being done in small groups, taking uh, planning coordination between you and your teammates to just achieve a common goal. Companies want their employees to feel the inclusiveness. So they're putting you on different projects. They're putting you in groups to make sure that your voice is being heard and you're working with your teammates so people can see you in a better light in that corporation. So they want a team player that works well with others. Um, also, with the world seeing a large work from home shift as well, that's currently happening and coordinating with others is even more of a key um, for those Zoom and Skype calls. Yeah, I agree. I think that inclusion is more important important than maybe it's ever been, right? We just talked about the mental health issues that are going on and people being separated. So I think that's a, that's a really, really good point. Uh, my first one is be 
be agile, right? Be able to adapt easily. We're in a new world now. Um, there's new tasks, there's new way of work. And frankly, guys, there are changes that are coming based on, you know, wave two or on economic changes that we aren't going to be able to forecast. And so right. I think it's more important now than ever to build your overall skill set so you can be as agile as possible and be able to, you know, kind of jump to new things. That is perfect uh it's definitely exactly what we do here we're always uh, agile always on our toes always ready for the next move um and also that leads right into my second one which is uh the skill of just being a complex problem solver um just the ability to take on a complicated problem work on solving it has become such a value a uh, high value asset it is not just about the solution it is the process of just figuring it out and as consultants uh, when we're brought in to assess companies' shortcomings or adjust their processes, we look for the root cause of that problem to make sure that we're finding the main problem and not assessing any of the small problems around it first that won't <laughs> essentially fill, fill that role, fill that void of that small problem that we're working with, but making sure that we're finding the problem at the at the main point. Yeah, being efficient like that is definitely key. I think that pairs in actually with with really what my second one was, which is effort. You know, good old fashioned hustle and effort. I know that, you know, it has worked on the football field. It has worked in the workplace. It has worked uh -huh. in my marriage. It's worked in my friendships, right? I cannot say enough about if you are an employee that gives extra effort, right? If you're the first one in the office, if you're going, you know, as hard as you can for your teammates, if you're working on something, you know, as much as you can, like people aren't going to fault you for making a mistake if there's a ton of effort there, right? They're right. going to see that as something you can kind of grow from. So I think in a time like now where people really need to show their self-worth and, mm -hmm. you know, have the opportunity to maybe make leaps in their career they didn't have before because there's less interference, I think the effort is key. And that's something you can control, right? That doesn't take a ton of learning. That just takes you, you know, really caring. Man, that is spot on. That is so spot on. Uh, my third one, is to have just a hard skill in your back pocket, whether it's coding, computer gramming, blockchain, uh, cloud computing, or for even the marketing side, uh, maybe learning Photoshop or video production, affiliated marketing. Um, like Tanya mentioned earlier, you want to be agile, but you also want to stand out. And having some of this in your back pocket shows what effort it shows like effort that. to your employer to like prepare for the future and improvements for that company. Yeah, I like that a lot. And actually, my last one ties directly into that, which is, you know, we live in a world where pride and ego is a big thing. So I think putting that away and having an eagerness to learn, right, is really key. I think that trying to learn from everyone around you, trying to learn everything you can, finding new ways to improve. And Alex, to your point, finding new skills, right? If you're in a company right now and you maybe have been stuck at a level for a while and you're trying to figure out how to get to that next one, if you are more well-rounded and have more skills, you're naturally going to move up. So think about that eagerness to learn, swallow your pride, right? If it means spending a few nights a week practically watching, you know, YouTube videos on how to something instead of, mm -hmm. you know, kicking back and watching Netflix, like think about that, right? It's worth it in the long run. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, just think about us right here doing a podcast. I'm not the greatest public speaker in the world. This is helping me every single week that I will sit here and chat with you every week. Um, so let's jump into the questions for this week. So we have one from our listeners, and I'll pitch it to you, Tane, and I'll give my answer a second. So with the pandemic slowing down, the with, oh, sorry, let me start that over. With the pandemic slowing down the entire nation, 
How would you approach clients when you're trying to build back up your opportunity pipeline? Man, this is a this is a good question. You guys are submitting some good ones, and honestly, it's tough, right? When you think about selling in this workplace, because essentially that's what we're trying to say here, right? How how can I approach new clients? How can I sell to new clients when honestly there's scenarios where they've had to lay off employees, they're not in good financial standing, they may be dealing with the loss of loved ones, right? There's a lot going on right now. So I think for me. Um, to kind of approach clients, you need to have, you need to be able to fill a need, right? You need to look at what a client is struggling in, what they may be able to do better, where honestly, maybe they haven't thought of, right? We talked about this earlier when we were talking about returning to work, but there are a number of processes that need to be reevaluated in returning to work that it's just not in the view of most, you know, companies to look at that just because it's not something they normally look at. So I think that, really you know as as consultants as professional service people even as you know we talked about maintenance and janitorial teams earlier finding a need that a client has that is not filled and finding a way to deliver that efficiently find a way to deliver that in a manner that the client really sees the value and finally man you have to really be flexible with the client and i mean that in the fact that you may be so used to delivering something on site but they're not ready to do that yet so not only find a need, but be flexible with your client, be candid and, and be transparent, right? Let them know, be like, listen, we are trying to help you do this because we see a need in your business and we want to partner with you on it. Man, that is spot on. Filling that need is exactly what I was kind of thinking in my head, just assessing the market overall, um, possibly just developing a new go-to-market strategy um, and understanding uh, the customers and the product, you know, what to sell, where to sell, how to sell it. Um, take your basic steps and, and reassess the market. Um, what strategy you're going to take um, and do some new analysis on the market and what's going on out there. Then position yourself to target the key people that you want to go after. Just like you mentioned earlier with custodians and some of them by developing uh, new offerings that are going to be offerings to school and office buildings. Um, I mean, we mentioned before how a tech, tech company that's implementing um, new technology for office buildings may switch over to uh, implementing um, better networks for their and VPNs for their entire company since more people are working from home. Yep. So just finding that finding that need, like you said, and positioning yourself properly in the market is probably a great way to jump back into uh, the opportunity pipeline. Yeah, I think those are great points, and I hope that people take that away. I think we covered a lot today when it comes to practical tips you can put in to you know make your office a safe place, make your workplace safe take care of processes that maybe need to be revamped in your workplace, but also taking care of mental and physical health of your employees. I think that understanding, you know, things you can do to better yourself and and relieve mental stress during this time is really key. And I think that I hope that, you know, people out there really take a lot of this stuff and think about it because at the end of the day, you know, we're looking to provide advice and, and real stories from our setups to help you and, I really hope that we can help bring value. So as always, you know, take time to breathe and focus on your current situation, especially this week. I know there's a lot going on. You know, we're starting to return, but, you know, adversity breeds ingenuity and wise, wise counsel. counsel leads to sustainable results. Love it.